0: Guys, we, we love this job. We love what we do. It is insane, but we love what we do. <laughs> it's funny, we, I was at, I was chatting with a bunch of church leaders the other day and we were speaking to one guy that I knew a lot about, but I only just met, and I was phenomenal just hearing his walk. He's been in the city for 26 years or something. And he said to me, he said, you know, the job is insane but i wouldn't do it if god didn't ask me to i thought flip that's exactly how we feel you know god's given us something every time i i sit down to open the scriptures i just think god what are we doing and then he shows me who he is he shows us who he's created us to be he showed us the role that we have to do what we have as a church to step out into and change this world what we have to reveal and i think flip i can't let this go it sounds, when people say, you know, go and read your Bible, it'll help you get through this time. I, I implore you, when things are tough, say to God, open your Bible and say, God, what, what do you have me here for? And I promise you, He will show you something in there. I promise you, He will reveal something to you. And this sermon that I have this morning, if I can preach it, is exactly that. I was talking with Brad through the Scriptures and he said, do you want me to preach and continue on with Ephesians? And I, I said, I, I don't know. I, I need to go and spend some time with God and I'll, I'll tell you. And I opened the Scriptures and I went to Ephesians and I said, God, what, what are we doing here? What's the point of all this? And he showed me a verse, which I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you in a minute. And it, it challenged me to my core. Because I really thought, man, if we can't get this small thing right and know who we are, we're not going to do anything out there. We're not going to change anything out there. So if you've got a Bible, go to Ephesians 5 for me. Verse 1. Rad, thank you. Ah, oh, Thank you. Thank you, guys. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. As I read that, I said, God, what are we to do? And Paul writes here in this letter, be imitators of God. Imitators of God. As I thought through that, I was like, man, how in the world are we to be imitators of God? I know there's times in my life where I've entered rooms and and spoken to people where I was not an imitator of God. I walked away and thought, man, did I, what did I leave behind in that room? What did I present while I was there? And I began thinking, how in the world can we be imitators of the, the, the God Almighty, the creator of the universe? So I was sitting there feeling rather, rather beat in this, saying to God, we're giving everything we know how to give. How am I to be more than what, I'm, what you're asking me in this? How am I to imitate who you are? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go back to the beginning where they, where Paul's talking about this verse. So if you've, if you're there, go back to Genesis 1 verse 27. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, how many of you know this book, the scriptures that we read weren't written in English? Okay, they were written in near Eastern ancient thought. So it was written from an ancient Eastern perspective. We are now reading it from a contemporary modern perspective. This, The scriptures have been, although done well, translated many times to get the Bibles that we now read today. You have to look at something a little deeper than just the English that we read in it because it actually draws a bigger picture for us when we read this. As I was reading this, I said, okay, we've been made in the image of God. This is where you sent me, God, back to the beginning, how we were created. So as I started to do some more research and read a few different theologians, I came across a... a a job called a Hebrew Grammararian. And their job is they spend their whole life taking ancient Near Eastern Hebrew grammar and understanding what it means in its context. And they, thankfully for me, did this verse and showed me something that's changed the way I saw this. So in the English, it says that we were created in God's image. But they argue that the preposition of the word in is to be changed to as and the word image is actually a verb so it looks something like this if i was to say to you i put the dishes in the sink what does the in what, what does the in denote It in's a location right at that point it's a location it's the sink talking about in the sink if i was to say to you the note is written in pen it denotes a tool right the in is talking about what it is it's a tool If I was to say to you, he broke the vase in pieces, it denotes a result, right? The pieces is the result, so the in is speaking about what it would become. If I was to say to you, here's what you should say in reply, the in denotes the purpose. I can see Dame's at the back, he's English teaching, he's going, yes. He's giving me little fist (laughs) pumps as we go along. The in, it's going to make sense in a moment. Just stay with me. The in denotes a purpose, okay? In reply. It's the purpose. The in is saying the the reply is the purpose. But if I was to say to you, if I was to say to you, I work in accounting, what does the in denote there? In accounting. It's talking about a function, right? A purpose. The accounting, you become an accountant. Jess is an accountant, but she works in accounting. So that doesn't make her, it makes her an accountant being in the position. So what these grammarians are arguing and and quite well thought is that the in in this verse is actually denoting who you are. It's saying that you don't, it's, it's not a purpose, it's not a role to function, it's who you were created to be. So when it says that you were made in his image, the in is actually the function. It's who we are. As human beings, we're created as the image of God. N.T. Wright puts it like this quite spectacularly. He says that it's a, it's a bent mirror. So do you remember as kids when you'd, you'd, you were sick? I don't know if you guys ever had this. Mum would put a mirror so she could see into your room and you could see out. So you could like wave. No? No one had that? No? You like wave out and mum could see you through the mirror? Or when, you, uh, when you're driving along and you see those big circle mirrors in the car and they show the, the other road so you can look through the mirror and see Right, so you can see what's coming through there, but it's, it's through the mirror. God uses us. We are created to mirror who he is, to mirror the image of God the Father. In Roman Catholic days, they would go into cities, they would sack the city, and one of the first things they would build in that city would be a, a monument, a picture of the Caesar that, that sacked the city. Why? Why? because it established the rule and the authority and they could see it from the person established in the city. So when they walk into a city that had been sacked by, by Rome, they could say, it's Julius Caesar who's here. Or it's, it's, I don't know any other Caesar names, Malammus, I think. We'll just stick with Julius <laughs> Caesar. It's that person who owns this city, right? They will create an image, an image is created to point to something else to depict back to something else. So when we see it, we understand who it is, we understand what it is. That's why marketing is such a big thing to keep the same logos the same. It's why when you can see just a tick, you know exactly what we're talking about. Or or when you see an apple, you know exactly what we're talking about because it's an image to point back to a product or point back to a creator. Does that make sense? So we have to to actually start seeing the fact that we are created the image in, but as the image of God. Michael Heiser puts it like this. The concept can be conveyed if we think of image as a verb. Humans are created as God's images. They function in the capacity of God's representatives. The image of God is not a quality within human beings. It is what human beings are. We are created, all human beings are created as images of God the Father, God the Creator. You can't try and be an imager. You can't reach out and try and grab something because you're already created an imager. I want to put a side note in though. This, doesn't, this isn't an analogy. It's not an analogy to say that you are God. A lot of guys will take this thought and they will stretch it to say, well, okay, we're God. No, it's not an analogy. You are a picture, a reflection of God, carrying who he is to point back to who? Him. Because it reflects from you onto who he is. That's why I loved what Adam said while he was here. When I, when I bring a word from God, please don't see me. God comes through me onto you and then he steps out of the way while you look back through it who God is. So what we've done in the prophetic is we've actually lost the fact that we're supposed to not see the man who's given the word. We're supposed to see through onto God. That as the, as the mirror works, we look past the, the human onto the father because he's an image carrying who the father is. This means that everything that we do, everything that we do, is a spiritual picture of something. When we operate, it doesn't matter how mundane it is, when you're doing something, you're drawing a picture, you're imaging something. Now we were created to image the Father, but as mankind removed themselves from that, as they took with that fruit, they brought about an image of something different. Because they shifted their worship. So they actually brought themselves to a place where they were saying, God, I don't want to image who you are. I want to image who this is, who that is, the little, the little God, small g God. I want to image this other thing that I'm worshipping. So we actually now get into this place where we are created images of God, but we position ourselves to image something else. So we're actually saying to God, God, I don't want to image you in this. I want to image something else. That's why Paul says that we have to be transformed by the renewal of our mind because we have to renew our mind so that we're remembering who it is that we're supposed to be imaging, what it is that it's supposed to look like. So we walk on this journey to find ourselves to a place where we're saying, God, I want to bring about who you are in this. I want to bring about what you are and what you're doing in this. As a mother or a father with your children, you're imaging God or you're imaging something else. As a businessman, you're imaging God or you're imaging something else. You see, as created images of God the Father, we actually get to step into whatever realm that we're in and say, God, you're here in this. The reason, the reason for God sending, creating images on the earth was, go and show them who I am. Go and show them what I look like. So you don't have to come into church to operate as the imager that you are. You don't have to work for a ministry to operate as the imager of who you are. You need to come here to worship God with a family, to be built up, to grow, to understand, to help transform your mind and then go out and be the image out where God's placed you. You see, the vocation in the garden, the job we were given, always was to do what? Multiply and advance the garden. Advance the image of the creator who created you. Multiply. Forward the image into the earth. I want to to tell you, that hasn't changed today. We don't have a new mandate. We were redeemed to the original mandate we were given. We don't have a new job to do. We have the same job to do that we were given back there, that we walked away from. The thing we've missed in... Expressing salvation is you don't just get saved to go to heaven. You do, but you also get saved back into your original mandate. You get saved back into what we were originally asked to do, image God the Father. When it says be a disciple, that disciple is to act like, be like, mimic who? Jesus A disciple in ancient Jewish thought was to do everything with the rabbi and then do everything as the rabbi. You acted on his behalf. You acted from what he taught you. You acted from who he was. That's what it meant to be a disciple. The original language for disciple was to be an imager of God. To carry forth the image that he's given to you and in creation. Our vocation is to image God, the creator. John 14.9, Jesus says this to, uh, to Philip. He says, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? God, uh, sorry, Jesus was able to say that because he perfectly imaged God. He was able to say with such confidence, you've already seen God the Father. Because he imaged him so perfectly that they knew who he was. Then he says, Philip, you want to see God the Father? When you see him, he'll look like me. Why? Because I've I've, I've fulfilled my task that my daddy gave me. I've fulfilled my task that the Father gave me was to look like him in every aspect of our life. Jesus fulfilled it. So then he says, look at me and I'll show you who the father is. So you want to know what the father looks like? We look at Jesus. Jesus steps in and he says, let me show you how to see the father. I'll show you how to see me. And that was another one of the reasons why Jesus came. To model out this position of being an imager. Romans 8:29 says, "For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers." For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We are to be conformed, mind changed, renewed a fresh understanding To the picture of Jesus. Does that make sense? Someone give me a, that makes sense. Fantastic. So Jesus is the picture. Now, originally it was given and it was God. It was God the Father. As he walked through the garden with Adam and Eve, they knew who he was. They communed with him. They dined with him. They They were with him in that place. And then we walked away from that. We stepped down into into the earth that's broken. We become lost. And Jesus sends his son. He says, go and show them who I made them to be again. Go and show them who they are to image. Go and set an example of me, my son. That's why he says, my son, in whom I am well pleased. Why was he well pleased? Because he imaged him perfectly. He showed an example that when you see me, you'll see the father. He showed a clear picture of who I'm supposed to become. I'm not going to touch predestination in that verse because it'll take us down a rabbit hole. But I have a very different perspective on that. I think we've misunderstood that. Jesus was presented the fullness and the wholeness of God. And he is saying that we should present the image that he presented, because that's who he was presenting. What are we supposed to do then as images? How do we do this? How are we to present the image of, of Jesus? Colossians 3, 9, Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We are to be renewed in the knowledge after the image of Jesus. That's what we have to do. When we say renew your mind, you're renewing your mind by understanding, God, what is it you look like? Jesus, what is it that you look like? How am I supposed to apply who you are to my life? Because then I'm creating, I'm walking in the image that God asked you to walk in. When we say, when we say that um, Jesus is perfect theology, that's because he walked in the picture of God the Father. So when you're unsure about how to act on something, when you're unsure about how you're supposed to, to operate in a situation, you go back to looking at who Jesus is. Because he imaged, the, he imaged the very perfect way that we are to walk. The very perfect way that we are to walk. The task is to look like Jesus, who looks like the Father, through the Holy Spirit, so that others can see God. That's what we're meant to be doing. To look like Jesus, who looks like the Father through the Holy Spirit, so that others can see who God is. I remember, i got another Mike story to tell, but I remember Mike used to say all the time, you know, if you, to, to preach the gospel and use words if you have to. I'm sure he didn't say that, but I remember him saying that. But to preach the gospel but, and use words if you have to. If you have to open your mouth for people to know that you're different. You ever had that guy who like you used to go and play a sport, like you'd go and play cricket and he'd tell you how good of a bowler he is. And then he steps up to bowl and he just gets slapped for six. That's a cricket reference if anyone. You know, or you go ten pin bowling and someone tells how good they are and then they go to bowl and there's always something wrong. Ah nah, my arm's a bit sore today. Or I'm just not feeling it, these shoes aren't the right size, or there's always something. Because they're actually not really a very good bowler, unfortunately. But they've talked themselves up to be. That's what we see a lot of the Christian world doing. I'll tell you how to live, but I'm not going to live it myself. I'll model something for you in my words, but I won't do it in my actions. When we walk into a room, people should be like, man, that guy is different. There's something about you. There's something that I can see. There's something that that is different to everybody else I've seen come in here. Someone else said that if you go to, if, if you're thinking, it was a, a leadership discussion, and he said, if you're thinking of bringing someone on as a leader, take them to dinner and see how they deal with the waitress. Because if they can't deal with a waitress, they're not going to love people. And I thought, Flip, what an incredible little, little thing. If we can't love in the areas where it's easiest to love, I promise we won't love in the times when it's the hardest when people are are, are booting you, and when, when things are broken, when you're feeling down, you won't be able to, to operate in that love if you can't do it in the simplest of places. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, And we all with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And we all with unveiled faces, if you are saved, a believer in Christ Jesus, have died with him and raised with him, your face has been unveiled. You are what this verse is talking about. And we all with unveiled faces. You know, one of the biggest things that we see with with people who are uh, non-Christians is to pray this, God, unveil their eyes so they can see who they really are. Because they too are images of God, but their eyes have been veiled. So if you're praying for a friend, if you're, if you're um, really hoping for a friend to be saved, pray this, God, remove them. Allow them to see who you are and who you created them to be. You see, that's one of the things that I struggle the most without going too in deep with, with abortion, is that the moment that there's conception from a child, they are an imager of God the Father they carry an image of the almighty creator right from that moment it's not about whether they are or they aren't in that conception they're an image of the Father it's our job to unveil the eyes behold the glory of the Lord in your eyes you hold the glory of God I tell a story. I think I've told it before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's a great story. And I want to honour the man because he, he was an incredible man. But Mike used to tell this story. Mike Ultringham used to tell this story that he was it was a, a Monday morning, pastor's day off, and his wife had dragged him into a knitting shop, a wool shop, so that Charmaine could get some wool. And Mike did not want to be there. He was dragging around. He he to tell it so funny and say that it was... Um, It all looked the same to him. It was a waste of time. Just pick one. Let's go. And he was standing in Dubai in this wool shop. And an Arab man who was at the counter with tears in his eyes looked at Mike. And he said, I can see Jesus in your eyes. And Mike was blown away. And he went home and he sat before God. And God said to him, your eyes are a window into your soul. And what they've seen is me in your soul. I thought, flip, what an incredible testimony. What an incredible way to hold yourself that he didn't even open his mouth and this guy saw Jesus. That's an image of God. That's what it looks like to carry this picture so seriously and so honestly that when he walked into a shop, someone said, I can see Jesus in your eyes. I want to ask us guys, myself included, what are we leaving behind? What picture are we painting when we go into a shop? What picture are we painting when we sit at a restaurant? What are people seeing when they watch our lives? I have this joke with my brother. He freaks out when you grab his phone. He doesn't like anybody having his phone. He doesn't like not knowing where it is. And he doesn't like if you have it. So every now and again, I like to move it, grab it, put it in my pocket. And I said, what have you got on there? What have you got on there that's so scary that you're worried if I've got it? And his response is, oh, it's work stuff. And it probably is just work stuff. But the thing is, is that what areas of your life will you not let people see because they won't see Jesus? That's what I ask myself all the time. Not from a, not from a I don't want to do bad things, but I, I want to be who I was created to be. If I don't operate in that, if I don't step into that, it's not, I'm not fearful of the fact of God's going to be angry at me. I'm fearful of I'm not being who He created me to be. I'm not carrying His image into places. When I leave a conversation, what fragrance have I left behind? Does it reek? Or does it smell so pleasant that guys go, man, I don't know what it is, but that guy, I'll have him back anytime. I, I have this thing where I'm, I'm trying my hardest to not say anything about somebody that I wouldn't say if they were sitting in the room. So if I go into a conversation with somebody, I'm thinking, what if that person was sitting there? Would I be comfortable saying what I'm saying? Because I want to carry the image of God in such a way that he says to me, well done, boy. Well done. You did who you were, who you were created to be. You operated in such a place that people knew who I was because of who you were. Well done. It's not we have to get out of seeing this as a be a good Christian, be a good person, because we're going to please God by that. No, he's saying, my boy, this is who you were supposed to be. My daughter, this is who I created you to be. This is who I positioned you as. And you're operating out of something that you were never, ever meant to be. And because of that, you're bringing torment and suffering on yourself. And I want you out of it. God doesn't want us to operate in this place so He feels better. He wants us to operate in this place so we feel better and are, are where we're supposed to be. I have so many random notes that I've not even read through. So we're just going to skip up. We're going skip about a bit. Is this okay? Yeah, okay. John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment Commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. All people will know that you carry my image. When you operate in the agape love that I showed you, when you operate in that love that says, it doesn't matter how I feel today, it doesn't matter what you've done for me, when you love somebody in that place, God will say, that's my disciple. People will say, I know that guy. I know who that is. I, I, I know what he's talking about because he looks like Jesus. And this is such a difficult thing to grasp. It's such a hard thing to understand because we're going, how do we do that, God? How do I I love somebody when I'm in a place where they're not showing me anything? That's how Jesus felt. You want me to love? You want me to drink this cup? I've been with these people. Yet he drank it because he loved us. And now he's saying, you know how I didn't want to do that thing? You know how I knelt in that garden, I said, God, take this cup from me. I did it because I love you. Now, see that person? See that person who's, who's kicking you while you're down? Love them. And we're going, God, but I don't want to. Love them because I've asked you to, because I've shown you what it looks like. Then we carry the image of God the Father. Then we step into who we were always created to be in the garden. Then we move forward the garden of Eden saying, you want something better? Let me show you what it looks like. This is what it looks like. When we operate out of that agape love, we start to operate in who God said that we were. I'll end with this. Go to Acts 19, 11, verse 20. Seven sons of Sceva, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that he had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, some versions say that they were vagabond Jews. They were Jews who were no longer operating in the things of God. They were outside of the kingdom. They were operating in in, in anything they could get their hands on, essentially. They weren't, they weren't Jewish leaders in the sense of they were following God. They were vagabond. They were outside of who he was, operating outside of his laws. They undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I adjure you by the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? They're the evil spirits saying we know who Jesus is. And Paul, we recognize, how in the world did they know who Paul was? Because they knew who Jesus was. And they knew the picture that Paul painted of Jesus. They recognized Paul by the way he carried himself and the picture that he painted of Jesus. So that even the evil spirits saw a man and they said, that looks way too much like Jesus for us. We're out of here. That looks way too much like the powerful Jesus that we know. We don't want to mess with this guy. Flip, church, when we understand what this means, when we understand what this means, that we walk into a room where there's, a, where there's demonic oppression and they go, Flip, I recognize this guy. Mary I, Mary, I know who you are because you look like Jesus. I recognize you. When we walk into to a room with brokenness and there's, there's this fear and, and, and panic in the room and all of a sudden there's this picture of I know who you are. Because you look like Jesus. That's the church. That's the body of Christ operating. That they know who he is by the way you hold yourself. That when you walk into a room, there's this immense amount of peace. And you think, God's here. You can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. But you just go, you know that you have that one friend who you just want to be around. Because he carries something, he looks like Jesus, therefore, the enemy doesn't want to be with him, church. That's the power that we walk in, that's who you were created to be. You were created as an imager, a reflection, a stand, a picture of God, the Creator, the Most High. When we understand this, when we pick this up, we will be able to operate in a way that we don't even have to open our mouths and the enemy goes, I don't want to be here with that guy. Just like they did with Paul. And they left. The end of that verse says that It became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled, meaning praised, overjoyed, worshipped in the fullness. They didn't look at Paul and clap and cheer for him. They looked at the Creator, God the Father. They looked at Jesus. They knew who he was and they worshipped him because he reflected a picture, not of himself, but on through to God and said, this is who I worship. This is him. This is God, the Creator. Church, that's who we are. That's who you are. I have to tell myself this every day because we get ourselves in this slump of, I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. And God's saying, just show them who I am. Don't worry about what you are. Show them who I am and you'll change that place. Show them a picture of me. Show them exactly what I've said to you and I'll show you through my scriptures. Here it is. This is who I am. Love them with all that you are, love them. And I promise you, I will be in that place and I will show them who I am. This is how we change this nation, this city and the nations. Not by picketing and yelling and screaming and jumping up and down, just simply by carrying an image like we were always meant to do carrying a picture of Jesus who says, I'll show you who the Father is. You've seen me through him, now I'll show you who, who God the Father is. So I want to ask us this, what image are you leaving behind in every area of our life? And sometimes, guys, sometimes it's not a, it's not a pre-thought, it's an afterthought. Sometimes I walk away from something, a meeting or a conversation with my wife or a, a time with a friend, and I go, flip, I didn't. God, I didn't paint a good picture of you there. I'm sorry. And then I change. Because if I don't change, I haven't really repented for what I've done. If I go back into the next meeting or back into the next conversation, I act exactly the same. I haven't changed anything. So don't see this as a condemning thing where I've got to go and continually check myself. Just say, God, where am I painting a picture of you? Where am I bringing you into a place, into darkness? Where am I I creating a statue of who you are and what you're doing in that place? That's why God has us here. He has us here so that we can image who he is. Why don't you stand and we'll pray.
1: church you can does it have to do with the lighthouse I don't know okay. doesn't really know. <laughs> actually no it doesn't it's Clear. there's this is quite amazing I actually ha, I, I was reminded of this while Ben was preaching and um, he's preaching about us as a church being and individuals being image bearers there's two so when, we, when the churches merged and planted a new church which is now community set free and crossing point came together um Jeremy and Adriana had a baby, and Sean and Coco had a baby. Do you remember that was shared as a prophetic symbol of a new birth? Two different communities coming together. Yeah. In this year, which makes it a season, in this season, those two same people are having a baby again. Not only that, but two new people are having a baby in the same season. That's called multiplication. Two times two is four. You know what I mean? The kingdom is not addition. It's always multiplication. Um. That there is a sign of the multiplication, not only in number through natural birth and through people joining, because people come and go, but that's multiplication in our influence in the spiritual world into the city. I was reminded of that now. That's a a great picture of what God has already done and is doing and preparing us for the next season. And also, if you look at all of those people having babies, they're multiple. There's Australians, South Africans, there's a... um, a Maori, there's uh, two no- nat- normal Kiwis, um, so, so it's a, it's a, it's, it speaks of, of multinational, which is a picture of God's kingdom. It's not just one nationality, it's multiple nationalities, it's multiplication in the same season. I, I, that's, it's, not, it's not coincidence that both um, Jeremy and Adie and Sean and Coco are having a baby in the same season, again. It's, it's not a, this is not a, just a natural thing. There is a spiritual dimension to that. And then the multiplication of two new babies coming at the same time. I don't know other babies have been born, but there's something significant in what's happening now. Yeah, good. That's good.
0: That verse in Ephesians, Before, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Go. Go and be imitators of God. Go and do what you were created to do.